0: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.
1: It had to be dug underneath the existing uni Metro subway, and underneath BART. So it, How far down did
0: it go? 160
1: feet. Not only, you know, is that really deep and was it hard to construct, but there were, we also needed to make sure that in digging underneath the BART tunnel, that we didn't mess up BART.
2: <laughs> were you successful?
1: We were successful at getting under BART without messing them up. Uh, and then we were successful digging this station Under Stockton
2: Street. That was Muni Chief Jeffrey Tumlin explaining the incredible depth of the new Union Square Muni Station, which is like going down into a silver mine. Uh, We got to record the first podcast in the new Central Subway Station. Heather, what was your favorite part of the tour?
0: I loved all the public art. My favorite was Lucy in the Sky. These really cool... um, squares of light that hang from the ceiling and they change colors randomly. It was like a mood ring. And so I feel like when people are angry that the train is running late, they'll probably all turn red. When you're happy that your train's actually on time, they'll probably turn blue. We don't have proof of this, but that's what I'm guessing. I, I
2: think that's a great guess. It, it really did have like a um, the bay lights and the top of Salesforce Tower vibe, except I... I changing constantly, never looked the same. I took some video, love it. Great pick, Heather. Uh, my favorite part of the tour was the dude giving us instructions for the carbon dioxide mask. <laughs> Who bas-
0: that was kind of scary. Yeah,
2: it was very scary. He basically told us uh, that in an emergency, we'd have to pick between dying or getting disfiguring burns on our faces. <laughs> I think I have a clip here.
0: And here comes the best part. The other part that you need to know is that the process of converting carbon monoxide to carbon dioxide is what we call exothermic. It gives off heat. Yeah, this is going to get hot. It's going to get really hot. It's going to get up to 165 degrees Fahrenheit. Yes, it will burn your lips and burn your gums. The good news is that can be treated. The bad news is
2: we've not figured out how to bring anybody back from the dead yet. Who still wants to go on the tour? So this was a -a one-of-a-kind experience, but I think the Muni people were eager to wow us because the Central Subway is three years late, over budget, and there's a vote for more Muni funding coming up in less than a week.
0: Yes, Prop A on the June 7th ballot, if you have not voted yet, you should, would give $400 million to Muni. Some people might be saying even more money. They just went way over budget with the Central Subway and the Van Ness bus lanes, um, but yes, they want more. This time it's for more of the meat and potatoes stuff. They've neglected a lot of infrastructure needs, and so they have a lot of repairs and improvements to be made on streets and in the bus yards, traffic signals, and that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, so I read your column on Monday um, about uh, the tour that we took, and floppy disks is what I came away with. Um, Jeffrey Tumlin likes talking about the floppy disks.
0: <laughs> he does. He brought them up a few times. Um Incredibly, in this super high-tech city, floppy disks are still um, running the controls of the Market Street subway, apparently, um, which is kind of crazy. So a lot of Muni is really old. A lot of our traffic signals in this city are half a century old. That's why so many of them don't tell pedestrians how long they have to walk. Blind people can't hear the audible sounds of of when they can walk. So there's just a lot of really old infrastructure that needs fixing.
2: Yeah, I don't live in San Francisco, but I hope when you're at home getting your mailers, there's floppy disks on the mailers (laughs) because that's what I'd be doing if I were them. Um, we we asked Tumlin about the delays on the Central Subway and Van S construction project. He gives a really direct answer. There's Rose Pack talk, uh, talk about buried pirate ships and brothels in this episode. And we asked the most important question any journalist can ask in a subway that's 160 feet below ground, which is, Heather?
0: Is this haunted?
2: Is the Central Subway haunted? I think we're asking if the place is haunted in pretty much every place we go now on the total sf podcast it's an essential question i'm peter hartlob here with heather knight asking you to keep your hands and feet inside the central subway tour at all times and this is total sf
0: thank you very much
2: Welcome to Total SF, Jeffrey Tumlin, and thank you for the tour of the Central Subway. Uh, stunning. Stunning.
1: We've been so happy to have you down here.
0: Well, we're sitting here recording in our hard hats and neon vests, and you told us this is the first podcast ever recorded in the Central Subway.
1: That's right. It's very
2: exciting.
0: I know Peter wants a plaque in honor of this I, I special occasion. I don't
2: just want a plaque. I mean, we're the first podcasters here. I want a plaque <laughs> with some public art around it, with lights, Ringing our (laughs) plaque, celebrating Total SF being the first podcast here, to bring attention to it.
1: Well, Peter, we'd be happy to do that, but first we need to install the plaque celebrating Rose Pack at Chinatown Station, one of our favorite badass community activists, Uh, and uh, this subway wouldn't be here without her.
0: Also a former Chronicle reporter. Indeed. So more immediately, I know you're trying to pass Prop A on the June 7th ballot. That requires two-thirds support, and it would be a $400 million bond measure. The Chronicle endorsed it, and in doing so, said Muni is on life support and that it's on the brink of financial ruin. Are things really that bad?
1: Well, things at the moment are looking much better, at least in the short run. Um, Thanks to Speaker Pelosi and the federal government, uh, in March, we got an additional $115 million of relief funding from the federal government. So that money is going to allow us to um, start filling our nearly 1,200 vacancies um, in order to start restoring service throughout the city. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's great. However, um, that money runs out at the end of 2024. Uh, and then we're going to need to find a new, sustained, ongoing operating budget revenue source mm-hmm. in order to sustain Munich.
0: How important is it that San Franciscans pass this bond measure?
1: Well, I, as the Director of Transportation, can't tell San Franciscans how to vote, um, but I can tell you about what Prop A does. Um, and it is, as you said, it's a $400 million general obligation bond. So that's capital money for us to build the system to repair stuff that is broken. Um, It's also important to know that um, the way the city manages its capital budget um, is that it doesn't issue new bonds until it retires old bonds. So we keep the San Francisco property tax rate capped at 2006 levels. So effectively what this bond is, is a renewal of Muni's old bond program, which has been mostly paid off. Um, And then the new program, unlike previous capital programs, um, our capital program this time is focused overwhelmingly on fixing the existing system. Uh, We heard from San Franciscans everywhere um, just how much they want Muni to work and that they understand we're facing decades of deferred maintenance, stuff that just needs to be repaired. And those repairs need to happen in order for the system to be fast and frequent and reliable, which Mm -hmm. is what they've told us they want. So that's what we're doing.
2: What's ridership like these days compared to before the pandemic? And how has the pandemic changed how people use Muni? Yeah, the pandemic has changed everything.
1: Uh, The pandemic allowed us to see the geography of essential workers. Um, And it has changed travel patterns dramatically. The biggest change that we see is the sharp drop in peak period office commuters going downtown. Um, And our total system-wide ridership is at about just over 50% of pre-COVID ridership. But on weekends and midday, we're um, averaging over two-thirds recovery. Um, But more importantly, on some of our key lines, lines where we have invested in making Muni fast and frequent and reliable, we're actually significantly exceeding pre-COVID riderships. So the 22 Fillmore is is my favorite example. Uh, Weekdays, it's already over 100% of pre-COVID. And on weekends, it's over 150% of pre-COVID ridership.
0: Why do you think that is?
1: Well, part of it is just the route. The 22 doesn't go to the financial district. It's a circumfer- circumferential route. But the other thing is that it serves a whole series of essential institutions and and thriving neighborhood commercial districts. Um, and we also rerouted it to serve the heart of Mission Bay and the Mission Bay hospitals. And we've added transit-only lanes on 16th Street in order to make it more reliable. The other thing is that, you know, because it had strong ridership early in COVID, we had to invest in... Better frequency on the 22 than we had pre COVID in order to deal with social distancing. The social distancing rules are gone, but that added frequency attracted so many new riders that had never been riding the 22 that we actually have to continue this you know, deep pandemic level of frequency on the 22 just to support the increased demand.
2: Com- completely relevant follow-up question. Have you heard the Chuck Prophet song, 22 Fillmore? <laughs> I've heard of it, but I, I have actually not me? listened to it. Got it, 22 line up and down the Fillmore. <laughs>
0: you know me I have to ask you about cable cars during the pandemic their future looked iffy you weren't even sure they were going to survive the pandemic how are they doing now and what's the long-term outlook Uh,
1: I've been actually riding the cable cars a lot this last week uh, and I'm so excited to see a queue forming at the Powell Street turnaround Uh, it means that both visitation is back as well as ridership is back uh, we just last weekend uh, uh, extended the hours and improved the frequency on the cable cars, and particularly the Powell Hyde line uh, that is in greatest demand. Mm-hmm. So uh, ridership is strong, and we're training new operators for cable car. Um, our concern now is really that the cable car infrastructure um, hasn't had a lot of attention to it since 1984. Mm-hmm. Um, the power plant at the cable car barn needs to be replaced, and the cable cable car barn itself needs a seismic retrofit. And so we're we're talking to Senator Feinstein's office, and really, she was
0: the one who did it back in 1984. That's
1: right, she was. Yeah, it, it's going to need a, a a big fix, but in the meantime, its fate is secure at least on the operation side.
0: Well, any of the bond money help cable cars?
1: Uh, the uh, the most likely, the next round of our bond funding will be what will really help us to rebuild cable cars. Um, but the bond um, does help us to do all of the necessary planning in order to make sure that we know what exactly it is that we need to build to really upgrade the cable car system.
2: When when they saved the cable cars in, I believe, the late 70s, Mick Jagger came and got on. It was actually a fake cable car, but he got on and supported it. What... Um, Celebrity musician or actor? (laughs) Would you like to come out here? Who
0: should pitch? Let's save the cable cars.
1: Uh, I think we should. Like, can it be somebody who is no longer with us?
0: Well, that would be kind of weird.
1: Oh, that's probably. (laughs) I mean, are we going (laughs) to dig (laughs) them (laughs) up? Yeah, maybe that doesn't work. Uh, I don't know who. What celebrity should pitch the cable cars?
2: Clay Thompson. Oh, that's a good one I was yeah. gonna say Beyonce was the right answer but I, think Clay, I think Clay Thompson's been mentioned in every podcast I'm sorry Heather I totally I totally interrupted your flow
0: um so voters might be debating whether to approve this bond measure and think while well, the central subway took a lot longer than promised the Van Ness project took a lot longer than promised both were way more expensive than promised why should we give Muni even more money
1: that's right. And those are great questions. Um, we have done extensive auditing of both the NS and the Central Subway projects. Um, and we've been really forthright about the problems we ran into, um, some of which were not possible to predict, uh, but others we should have known from the very beginning. Um, on Central Subway, for example, like this is an extraordinarily complicated project. This project had a 5% budget contingency. Like, mm, no. Yeah. Um... So the project, the central subway project, went 20% over budget and was delayed about three years. Uh, And we have a strong understanding now of all of the causes of that um, and have made substantial changes in our capital project division in order to make sure that those problems never happen again, since over the last three years. Pretty much all of the projects that we have started over the last three years are on time and on budget, and that includes uh, projects of comparable complexity to Venice, um, including rebuilding all of Terraval Street, including the underground utilities, uh, the rebuilding of uh, much of Geary, including the uh, bus-only lanes for the Geary bus rapid transit project, all of that on time and on budget. Um, Something
0: you're saying is really setting off these lights. I don't know why, but they're (laughs) rapidly changing colors That's right, right because they're so excited
1: (laughs) that we've learned our lessons uh, about how to deliver projects. We're also, for the next five years, we're not going to be doing any projects of the magnitude of a Central Subway project. Mm -hmm. Almost everything that we're doing is stuff that, the SFMTA is really good at. It's about the thousand small improvements, making the traffic signals work, getting the pavement right, uh, uh, making uh, our rail lines, again, faster, more frequent, more reliable. We also uh, want to uh, reinvent the Market Street subway. Um, The train control system for the subway is loaded off of five and a quarter inch floppy disks. Really? Yes, it needs to be replaced. Um, and we, uh, while the rail system was shut down during COVID, um, I told our rail maintenance team to go and MacGyver whatever they could out of the existing system, experiment, move things around, try new stuff, collect data, and 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 advise me about what will really work. Hmm. And so right now, the Market Street subway is running more smoothly, well, certainly than it has in the 30 years that I've lived in San Francisco. And we want to continue to capitalize on that kind of um, collaborative, experimental, data-oriented approach to making the system work better.
2: We'll be right back after this short break.
1: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it.
2: So so the station was named after Rose Pack, a former Chronicle reporter turned political influencer who commanded a lot of votes in the city. Did you ever get to meet her? Badass, I think you correctly described her earlier. And do you think this happens without her?
1: Um, So I didn't, I mean, I've seen Rose Pack.
0: Been in her presence.
1: I've been in her her presence um, and know what an amazing character she was. Um, uh, No, the Central Subway would not have happened without her. Um, and uh, it was a hard fight making sure that Chinatown got prioritized uh, in terms of making the next big, expensive investment in the future of San Francisco. And it's something I'm actually really proud of. I mean, I, we were talking earlier, um, the Central Subway rearranges the overall geography of San Francisco. And one of my favorite things about it is the way that it helps to ensure that Chinatown remains the economic and cultural heart of Chinese San Francisco. So, you know, we we see that neighborhoods like the Bayview and Viz Valley are becoming increasingly Asian-American and particularly Chinese. And the tea... Go straight into the Central Subway. So it'll be a one-seat ride from Viz Valley and Bayview, you know, up through Mission Bay and right into the heart of Chinatown. It effectively moves Viz Valley uh, half the distance uh, to Chinatown as it is now. Mm. Um, And that means, again, that Chinatown can retain its role as the economic and cultural
2: heart of of Chinese-American San Francisco. So when, when you honor Rose Pack... And I know you can't tell us specifically because uh, we're not in the that subway and that's still to be revealed, but when you honor her with a mosaic or with uh, a statue or whatever, do you <laughs> go with young Rose Pack or do you go with older Rose smoking Pack? Smoking a
0: cigar. Smoking the cigar. No,
2: it's definitely Rose Pack smoking
1: a cigar. <laughs> okay, thank you.
0: This is probably a dumb question, but I'm just having trouble visualizing. So when someone's riding the tea mm-hmm. from Viz Valley, where do they go? underground, and how do they...
1: Yeah, so the T-Line starts in Vis Valley, goes up 3rd Street uh, through the Bayview, goes through Mission Bay, crosses uh, uh, Mission Creek um, at 4th Street, goes to the Caltrain Station, and then continues up 4th Street um, and goes into a tunnel right there at Brannan. Mm. So just south of the freeway overpass, um, there's a hole in the middle of 4th Street that the trains go into, um, and then it comes into a new station right at Muscone Center um, at Folsom Street. Uh, it comes into this station, which connects uh, Powell Street Station at Market Street directly to Union Square. Um, and then it continues, uh, you know, under the hill um, and right into the heart of Chinatown at Stockton and Washington.
0: So there's three new underground stations?
1: Three new underground stations, one above ground station uh, down at Brannett.
0: Um, so when they were digging, you said it was 160 feet deep.
1: That's right. So so we're in Union Square Station. This the train has to go under Muni Metro and under BART, which is 160 feet down beneath Market Street, and then it bends the corner from Fourth into an alignment under Stockton Street and that's where this station was built.
0: So when you were digging that far down, not you personally, um, did people find weird things like old shipwrecks, buried treasure, secret underground oh, speakeasies? Oh
2: yes, brothels? <laughs> brothels. <I am laughs>
0: There's not, lots of brothels.
1: Sadly, I'm not, uh, I, I've am not. i not been given authority to disclose what
2: we found yet.
0: Are you serious? No, I'm not serious. <laughs> you know that I would just harass you until you told yeah, me. you don't say that to Heather Knight.
2: I'm not authorized to tell you. She's gonna find out about the brothel. <laughs> Maybe it was a brothel on an old pirate ship. Ooh,
0: let's say that. For
2: mammoths. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 1.7 miles. Uh, what are the long-term possibilities for this subway? And I know this one's not even open yet, but um, where could this possibly go? Where could this continue? What are the options you know, and hopefully yours or my lifetime for this subway.
1: Yes. So the, you know, our northernmost station is at Chinatown at Stockton and Washington, but the tunnel itself continues all the way to Washington Square in North Beach. Uh, So the next steps for the central subway uh, are all about how far north should we extend it and how. So a station at Union Square in North Beach would be, you know, an obvious next possibility. Uh, but we can continue it all the way into Fisherman's Wharf. We could have it cut west to meet up with the Van Ness Bus Rapid Transit Project. Uh, and one of the things that we're eager to see is what exactly are the ridership patterns so that we can, you know, after the subway opens, so that we can uh, uh, do new estimates for the cost-effectiveness of a north northerly extension.
2: I, I found in In the archive, while digging in the (laughs) archive, Heather, um, even back to the early 1900s, people talking about a Geary Street subway. Yeah, is this a possible solution for that, or is maybe a second BART tube the more logical possible solution for 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 easing that heavy load of the 38 Geary? Yeah, so this
1: serves a different corridor and different ridership demand than the Geary Corridor does. Uh, We are also working right now um, with what's called the Link 21 project, which is looking at um, not only where should the next Transbay rail connection go, but what do you do with it on either side? So doing a new Transbay tube is relatively straightforward. The hard part is how do you tie it in to the rest of San Francisco? Uh, and onward eastward not only into the east bay but also to sacramento so one of the things that we've realized is there are a couple of key drivers to the design of that next new project one of them is that it has to really tie into the existing system two is it needs a rail yard like you can't Mm -hmm. just draw a fat magic marker line in the map you need you know a, a giant chunk of land to store and maintain your trains. So that's, you know, another question that we're going to have to face is, is the next big rail investment like a BART extension or is, are we extending Caltrain to Oakland and Sacramento by way of the West side of San Francisco? Mm-hmm. So fun, fun questions that we're, we're dealing so with. So I have
0: here. two Muni loving boys who are nine and 12. What are the odds? Any of this happens by the time they're say 50
1: uh, I think actually the chances are fairly good, so long as we continue to have a federal government that believes in cities and believes in infrastructure, and particularly urban infrastructure. In many cases, in many respects, like we don't really have a choice. We are no longer demolishing low-income neighborhoods in order to widen highways, um, and so in order to accommodate. California's population and jobs growth, we have to focus on the most space-efficient forms of transportation.
2: So, you know, BART moves so many more people than all 10 lanes of the Bay Bridge. Three quick questions to end the podcast here. Uh, When can we ride this central subway? Can you give us an exact date? Well, we'll be opening to the public sometime this
1: fall. Uh, at the end of June, uh, the contractor will hand over all of this infrastructure to the SFMTA, and that will make it easier for us to potentially allow you to take a ride on one of our test trains. So the Ooh, trains can we do that? the trains have been running for a year now. Uh, we're you know running you know because all all of the testing that we have to do to make sure everything works. Uh, Uh, In fact, I guess we probably won't see any trains down there today. They're usually running them uh, late at night once all the crews are out.
0: Since you're not committing to a Total SF podcast plaque, can you commit to a sequel riding a train with us this summer? I
1: can, yes. Okay, good. I'd be very excited to do that. In (laughs) fact, there are a few
2: things about this job that I love more than uh, going on test trains. (laughs) Uh, Question number two, uh, pandemic's been wild. We have had delays like the Central Subway in Venice. We've had great uh, victories, I think, with some of the guerrilla style creation of, uh, I, I won't even list it all, but slow streets and bike lanes. I love the new bike infrastructure. Uh, do you still enjoy this job? <laughs> <laughs> I, um, some days I wonder
1: about that. But all in all, I couldn't wish for a better job uh, helping to serve the city I love most in all the world.
2: And last question, and the most important question, something we ask whenever we're touring a structure in San Francisco, is the Central Subway haunted? Ooh.
0: I don't know.
1: I don't think so. But I'll have to talk to some of my um, psychic friends, and they'll let me know. Well, they can
0: communicate through these colorful lights.
1: That's right. In fact,
2: there's probably, yeah, a coded ghostly message that's being (laughs) delivered to our subconscious minds right now. It's going to be in the Rose Pack Station if there's a haunting. Poltergeist friendly ghost (laughs) you can close this out Heather because clearly I can't do it
0: well thank you very much for joining us it's a beautiful station love the public art and we will ride a test train with you this summer I'm
1: looking forward to that okay thank you
2: thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle Total SF is a production of The Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by investing in a digital Chronicle edition. It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com pod.